And the quarterfinals are set at Roland Garros, live on site in Paris here on the Weezcast. Off another good day, we did lose our second kind of parlay add-on, but we nailed our first, our main pick. Rude got through Jare. Jare played well, but he played well and also made 64 unforced errors, and that's not going to get it done against some of the best in the world. I think he was really slow and struggling to move his feet, get that ball in the strike zone. You, know, you can't be a power hitter swinging at that ball, low and away. You're going to make more errors than not. We got a few plays looking at the card today here in the quarterfinals. We've got the first two being played on the men's side, and that's Djokovic Kashinov and Alcaraz Tsitsipas. Uh, you know, I'm I think Kachinov with the games or to win a set is a fairly popular pick. And I, I'm a big Kachinov guy, huge Kachinov guy. Chris Prawn met him in Cincinnati. And uh, Djokovic is Djokovic. And he's finally starting to play like Djokovic. And I think he may actually be playing with a big benefit of coming on late in the clay season. You know, he normally would be, you know, what, 35, 36 years old and having had a full Madrid, full Rome, all these runs, maybe playing Serbia or... Uh, you know, Banca Luca or something. And instead, he did basically nothing. He, he lost to Massetti, lost to Lajovic and Banca Luca. Then he's played a f- grand total of four matches in the month of May leading up to the French Open. So, you know, he, by the way, he hasn't lost a set all tournaments. So, you know, that includes Davidovich, Fuksovic, Varias. I mean, yeah, not, uh, not talking him up by sharing that, but the point is I think he's he's in with a good setup. I think he's fresh, and, I mean, if Kachanov does get a set, congratulations. I think he's probably, in my opinion, a pretty big underdog to do so. I mean, if we look at his most recent matches, you know, he got through Sonejo, but he did find himself a set apiece, seven all, and the third set tiebreaker. That one really could have broken either way. Match before, he found himself 5-all against Kakanakis in a fourth-set tiebreaker. First set, he goes 5 with Lestien. Um, you know, I, I don't know that he's going to really be ready to compete with Djokovic. So this wasn't even a play I was going to give, but as I'm just talking through it, I think I'm kind of selling myself on Djokovic and straights a little bit. Um, let's see what the line for Djokovic minus a set and a half is. Minus 480. Yeah, we could probably add that to, to one of these pars. Minus 480 joke. Yeah, I mean, and, and the way to, to do that joke and straight action is not to bet joke and straight. It's actually take the under three and a half. Not only do you get a better price, but you also, you know, if Djokovic stubbed his toe and can't move, but battles it out and just gets killed, we still have uh, Kachanov if, if he wins in straight. So. It's a better price, but even if it's a little worse price, we would take that just to get that other way of winning the bet. Um, but let's get on to you know what I think the real lock of the day is here, and that is Carlitos. I don't think that Tsitsipas has any chance in this match. Carlitos owns Steph. Um, 
very clearly. Uh, I don't even think it's been close ever between them. Has Sitsipas ever won a set off of Alcaraz? Let me actually look this up. Okay, he got one set off him in Barcelona last year. So, I mean, I don't know. Alcaraz has improved so much in a year. That doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that was really in 2021 at the U.S. Open. This was Alcaraz's showing up to the to the party moment when he took out Steph in the fifth set tiebreaker after losing the fourth 6-0. Uh, you know, Rod Laver, what the fuck are you talking about? On Arthur Ashe. Um, yeah, so Alcaraz has always owned him. He's 4-0 against him. Steph, you know, he, he won one set last year and one set back in 21. Actually, two sets in 21. But Alcaraz was not the player he is today. Uh, you know, the real problem here for Steph is he frankly just doesn't have a backhand. Uh, you know, his his slice is a, an okay shot, but it's not like particularly sharp or low to the ground. It's a, a little bit floaty and guys don't have much of a problem with it. The top spin, he's shank city. Uh, you know, he he can hit some decent shots down the line when he gets pace, but I mean him trying to go after a backhand is is kind of cringy to watch, honestly. And matched up against Alcaraz's backhand. I mean, good luck. Steph's gonna have it out for him. And I don't know if anybody played more tennis throughout the clay season than Steph did. I mean, he went to the quarters in Monte Carlo five days off. He went to the final, got blown out by Alcaraz in Barcelona. Six days off. He went to the quarters, lost to Struff, which didn't end up that being that bad. Then he ends up in the semis of Rome after about a week off, then another week off. I mean, he's getting his weeks off, but you know these add up and these really compound. And I mean, he would have to be at better than his best to win this match, and I don't think he's going to show up with nearly his best. So you know, while I think he's going to straight set him Alcaraz um you know we'll we'll be a little bit more careful and we'll take the minus a set and a half line at minus 250 um but I would also encourage a small play on on Alcaraz straight uh let me just get that line for you here and maybe there's a maybe there's a good chance that we want to take just the Alcaraz under or just the the total sets under like we did with Djokovic um you want Alcaraz and straights is plus 128 under three and a half sets is plus 120 so this is what I mean we'll sacrifice that eight and we'll take the plus 120 which is basically the same just in case Alcaraz had food poisoning and didn't sleep for the last two days and shows up and just gets blown off the court uh it's just going to win in straights no but is it technically yes so we might as well just add that in case something silly happens um, but, you know, make no mistake about it, Alcaraz and straights is, is what we think is going to happen, but we can go a little bit more aggressive on the minus one and a half because, you know, we know how those straight set bets can be a stickler sometimes. Uh, Sabalenka we have, uh, along with Alcaraz, in that owns Jabor play that's live from yesterday, and that was a double. Um, and then the last one, and I'm not going to go too crazy or tip too hard, but, you know, I do stay loyal in these situations when I still think that they're, you know, going to be the better player. She's favored by enough that I think that, you know, they're, they're not making it too easy to bet Mukova. Um, you know, Pavilchenkova, you know, she did, she took the year off, but, you know, she 
was a finalist just a few short years ago at this tournament, losing a tight one to Krzykova. Um, you know, I still think Mukova is the better player, the more informed player, the more fit player. You know, uh, Pavelchenkova, when you when you have a, such a long layoff and you come back and you start going three three set matches in a row in a major after already playing a pretty intense schedule, you know, after not playing for a whole year, you know, I think you, you do tend to run out of gas. She's had impressive results. I mean, squeaking out the second set in a breaker and then going on to beat Mertens in the third, 6-3, finishing off Potapova 6-0 in the third after losing the first. Samsonova, that's a hell of a win, 7-5, 7-5 in the second and third. I mean, I don't know how many of these she realistically could have in her. I just think Mukova is going to be able to make her move, and and that's always been the weakness with Pavelchenkova is the movement. And you know, Mukova is really intelligent, smart, has all the shots. Uh, you know, one of the big things we talk about, and and just a big flaw with a, a, a ton of the players, uh, you know, both in the men's and women's game, just not getting to net when you have opportunities to finish a point. Mukova is very inclined to get to net. She's even serve volleying and, and doing it quite effectively. Um, so you know, I do think she's intelligent enough and knows how to move Pavelchenkova around enough to, to really keep the ball out of her strike zone, kind of like the problem with Jare today. Um, you know, Pavelchenkova has beaten her twice, but, I mean, Mukova just was kind of starting to get good in 2021 right when they played last and Mukova at Wimbledon was actually I remember uh, uh, it was a big Weezcast play that we hit um, so good historic luck on the Weezcast with this matchup we will take Mukova but I'm gonna just take her either small straight or maybe even just in pars I'm not uh, I'm not gonna tip too strongly against Popilchenkova while, while I do think there's a good chance she's running out of gas if she doesn't run out of gas you know this could be pretty competitive and and I would probably over um you know it's going to be a bit of a nervy match for mukova as well i mean this is they're playing to to get to the semis here of a major so you know the the stakes are are really turned up when you get to this business end of the tournament here so those are the plays and uh, the way that we're gonna attack these today is uh you know we're gonna do a straight play on Djokovic under three and a half, and we can keep that a small one, and that's three and a half total sets in the match. And we're going to do a parlay with Alcaraz, minus 435, with Mukova. The notes got a little flip-flopped on me there for a second. And uh, this may, no, may not be a secret to you guys, but I'm no genius editor. So I don't know how long that was going for, but I'm, I'm not going to be figuring out how to edit that out anytime soon. But uh, the biggest play that we're going to tip is Alcaraz minus a set and a half with Djokovic minus a set and a half. Djokovic minus 480 to win minus a set and a half, and Alcaraz... Minus 250, that makes a minus 148. And that one I think we can bet pretty confidently. Um, you know, also going to do the same thing with Alcaraz straight, Djokovic straight, and Mukova. That's going to add uh, you know, a nice little payout to that. Um, but 
those are the plays. Uh, you know, I hope you guys are, are able to watch these matches. I know they're starting pretty early. Uh, the Alcaraz sits a pass one though, one fifteen U.S. Central Time. That one will be uh, that one will be a doozy. May have to may have to take be a real good one. Um, Peacock, by the way, who somehow has the exclusive rights to the French Open on on some days or some sessions. Horrific coverage, uh, appalling coverage. I would say. I mean, the the main guy just doesn't know tennis uh, that's that's very clear he doesn't know when the next major is he doesn't understand that there's a lot of reasons guys might have to come through qualifying and you know those guys are professionals as well no respect there for the qualifiers so shocked that there's a qualifier hanging with the mighty Tsitsipas you know you'd, you'd think that he thought the qualifiers were just like these 60 year old guys that were hanging out at the club down the road um that broadcast was was nowhere near what we're used to seeing majors broadcast of. You know, I, I hope that Peacock either loses all the next contracts or starts to to get it real a bit. I thought that was thought that was offensive for the sport. You know, we're not even showing the the Titsipas Offner match for the first four games. These guys are battling out for a spot in the quarters and you know, they're playing for about two hundred K and we're just babbling about nonsense about people who semi know the game i guess um but so you know we're not going to get americans interested in tennis with with coverage like that i mean the, the potential for america in tennis is, is insane by the way i mean it's just not a sport that athletic kids pick up and if you pick it up later than five or six you're you're way behind in tennis you, know, you really do have to devote a life to learning the game but i mean just you know, some of the best athletes in the world hail from the U.S. I mean, look at the NFL, look at the NBA. I mean, imagine if LeBron James was training tennis since he was two. I mean, he's six foot nine. You know, some guys in tennis who are six foot nine, John Isner, Ivo Karlovich was maybe six ten or six eleven. It's like those guys move like ostriches. I mean, they they are not graceful. They're not fast. They're not athletic. They can't change directions. They can't jump. They're just really kind of plodding around out there. You know, LeBron James would be Alex Diminor's speed with Isner's size of serve with strength, you know, maybe Nadal in his prime. I mean, I don't know. Just be insane if we could actually get Americans liking tennis at a young age. Peacock not taking a step in that right direction. But good luck, everybody. Those are the plays. And remember the main one, Alcaraz minus one and a half, Djokovic minus one and a half uh, sets for that minus 148. Good luck.